The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by Relola. The Relola app helps agents leverage their local expertise. Create a beautiful interactive map of everything you love about your community, from businesses to listings to local features. Share it on Facebook and your website. And it's free for all realtors in 2018. Learn more at relola.com. There's a lot of great content written out there, some by me, a lot by a lot of great content by experts in the real estate field who've chosen to write about Evernote. All of it is great and useful. I encourage everyone to check out all of the things that are out there. Uh, but generally speaking, since Evernote is a really useful tool for collecting information, organizing it, and sharing it. Basically, the things that an agent might do as part of their workflow can be collected, or at least pieces of it collected in Evernote. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 123 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for finding us and tuning in and telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. Really appreciate it. And if you do have time, head on over to iTunes or Overcast or your podcast uh, provider of choice. Leave a review and a rating. It, it helps us grow even more. So today I'm really excited. I, I, I'm going outside of the box from the real estate industry, but it's it's a, a, par, a, a part of... Uh, the productivity side of things is near and dear to my heart. Anyone who knows me knows I'm sort of an Evernote nerd. Uh, it's uh, something I've talked about since 2010 or 11. And so I thought, why not go to the source? And so uh, today we're going to talk to Joshua Zirkel, who's Director of Global Customer Education and Community at Evernote. That's a big, long title. We'll get him to explain exactly what he does there. But Joshua was the, the person that I went to when I wanted to become an Evernote Certified Consultant and worked me through the process. Uh, and really just really a lot of knowledge about productivity organization. And I know a lot of realtors who need that. So let's uh, let's start with Joshua. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. I always want to get the backstory of everybody on our show. And I know you live and work in the Bay Area. I know you went to school in the Bay Area. So can I assume you're like a no-cal native? I actually am not. I'm originally from Detroit. So... I spent my formative years in Detroit proper uh, and moved to San Diego for high school and then moved up here for college and just kind of stayed around. Well, I got to ask you about the San Diego portion. What, what, time, what time frame are you there? I was there in the early 90s. Okay. So I grew up in San Diego. I don't know if you knew that. So that's, oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So my, uh, I left there in 99 to head to Phoenix. But So in San Diego, I have to ask you, I, got to, I went to Mount McGill. What high school did you go to? Okay. I went to Torrey Pines. Oh, very nice. So you're out on the coast. That's a whole different world. West of I-5 is one thing and east of I-5 is another, right? Yep, totally different. Also, like north-south, totally, like there are many, many different flavors of San Diego for sure. Yeah, that's true. So you end up going, though, up up to San Francisco to go to college. And you come out of school with a, I'll call it a web design, kind of an UI kind of a background. You're going to help people. Um, um, have a better experience with the technology that's out there, right? And I, I think that those user experience, um, that that piece of the puzzle for me, it, it seems to be that most people just take that for granted. Like they don't really think about how they're I- interacting with these things until somebody comes up with something better. Do I? Is that kind of a fair assessment of what what you yeah, do? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the type of thing that 
if user interface is done really well, it's not something that you as a customer or as an end user think about. It just works and it works the way that you think it should by and large. Um, this is why companies like Apple have done so well because they spend so much time thinking through and doing research into how people use tools. And that's where user interface comes from, is really looking at how do people interact with this thing and how can they do it better, more effectively, more easily. And that was my first career out of college was doing that sort of work. It, it wasn't really a huge field at the time, certainly not the way it is now, um, but it was always something I was, that I was really interested in is how do people learn how to use things? And in particular, how do they learn how to use tools? Right. Which is going to uh, serve you well as your career moves on, right? As we move down the path, having that background. I'm yeah, sure. that's actually the, yeah, that's the skill that I continue to use and have used in every career that I've done. Yeah. So in the early 2000s, you switch gears. Uh, first of all, you, you start up a productivity company, Custom Living Solutions, but you also begin working for a CBS affiliate in San Francisco. So I don't see a connection between those two. <laughs> Talk about how those evolved. Yeah, so I think it's useful to kind of preface this with, I'm the type of person that believes in you should do everything that you're interested in. And regardless of how other people are following their career path, it's not your path. You should be able to pursue the things, whether it's on a hobby level or professional level that you think are interesting and meaningful for you. And so that's basically the premise for how I live and how I work. And so that's why you see these two interesting and it looks on the face of it like divergent paths. Basically, in 2003, I had been working in user interface and design for a number of years since graduating college, and that was at the beginning of the tech bust. And here in the Bay Area, that meant there were a lot of people who were unemployed, and I became one of them. And so I used that as an opportunity for me to really take stock of, okay, do I want to continue doing this, or do I want to explore some of the other things that I'm interested in? There were two things that I was interested in besides the user interface work. One was really figuring out how to leverage a skill that I'd been building in my professional life, which was helping other people learn how to be productive. In the design world, there's a lot of great skill amongst most designers around design itself. And since it's in a creative field, there's often a lot of challenges around how do I actually get the work done in an organized and timely manner. And I seem to be unusually good at that latter piece of it, which was getting everything done in an organized way. So I ended up showing a lot of my colleagues the ways that I was working, the skills that I had learned to be organized and productive. So I thought maybe there's something I can do with that particular skill set. And that led to me launching Custom Living Solutions, which was productivity consulting. In addition, in parallel, I had always been interested in consumer affairs. And I really liked the idea of helping people figure out ways to solve consumer challenges and particularly in media. And so I actually had just completed my master's degree in adult education at the time. And I thought one of the things that I could potentially do that with was helping people learn how to solve their own consumer problems. So I ended up talking to people in media and different agencies around ways that this gets, gets expressed out in the world. And I ended up talking myself into a job at our local CBS affiliate on the consumer investigative unit. And this is basically unheard of. People without media backgrounds typically can't talk their way into a job in media. Right. But as it turns out, I did. And, and I ended up working there for a number of years as well. I, th this is very common now, This, this, these consumer investigators, right? Every town I've lived in, every place I've been, these are these, they're very common, right? Especially at the local level. And were you behind the yes. scenes? Were you on camera? A little bit of both? 
Uh, I was behind the scenes. So whenever you see a reporter on TV reporting a consumer story, there's usually a team of producers behind the scenes who research the story, write the story, do all of the legwork that goes into putting that story on camera. And so I was one of the producers for our local consumer unit. They sometimes used me on camera, but kind of as a background person. Uh, but I was never on-screen talent for this. So once again, your organizational prowess, super handy here as a producer trying to keep all these different pieces together, right? I, I oh, yes. And I can <laughs> say being organized really helps when you work in news because you have a deadline like no other. Like if I didn't do my job, the TV screen would be black at 5 p.m. Right, right. I love let's, let's get deeper into organization and productivity. Obviously, you're very passionate about this topic. And, and it's probably... If you were coming up on the new year here, I think when we air this show, it will be early in January and a lot of people have made resolutions and I know getting organized or being more productive is at the top of that wish list. But to, to talk about why it's so difficult to obtain and then even if somebody takes the time and energy to get to that place, they tend to let it slip away. Why is it so hard to maintain that? I think the biggest challenge when it comes to getting organized or being more productive is that people approach it as a project rather than as a process. Organizing is not the type of thing that you do once. And I think that's where most people tend to have challenges is, oh, I'm going to organize my desk or I'm going to finally organize my calendar. But it's not a one and done type of thing. Your calendar is never done because there's always things being added to it. Your desk is not static. Once you organize it once, what happens the day after? So I think you really need to Think about how can you integrate organization and productivity into your work and into your life as a new habit rather than as a project that you're going to do and just be done. Kind of like building a habit around being more fit or more active or eating more healthfully. You're never done with those things. Those are life changes, changes in how you live and how you work. And I think approaching organization and productivity with a similar mindset is how you can be more successful with it. It's not an event. It's the type of thing that you're going to do on an ongoing basis. So thinking through the small ways that you can fold organization and productivity habits into your life without feeling like it's a chore is what makes people successful. It's, it sounds to me as a consultant in this area, you're, you got a whole lot of counselor in you as well. Yeah. I'm like a therapist for people's <laughs> calendars. Right. That's awesome. So, so I'm wondering, is there a story out there? Was there, was there a, a customer that you worked with that was like incredibly difficult to work with because they couldn't grasp that concept? I mean, you must get to a point with some people where you're going to have to say, I don't think this is going to work for you. Has that ever happened? Of course. Yeah. I have to say that this is the type of thing. And when I say thing, I mean, being organized, being productive. This is a result that I have yet to talk to a person where they don't want these results. Everybody wants to be more organized. Everyone wants to feel productive. The reality is it takes work to get there. And even when you work with a consultant, it's not like I would come in, wave the magic wand, and boom, you're organized and productive. It takes work, and it takes internal changes on the part of the client. And there were some over the years where they really, really wanted the result, and I felt it from them, but they just didn't want to do the work. And the work usually involves being reflective and thinking about why they're doing certain things that they are in terms of behavioral changes. And sometimes they're just not ready. And if they're not ready, there's nothing that I can do or any consultant could do to force it. And it doesn't work when it's forced anyway. Like if you've ever worked with a colleague or spouse or partner and tried to force them to get organized, it just doesn't work. 
So it's the same type of thing with this where, you know, by by a few years into doing this work, I could tell when someone was really ready and I could tell when, when someone wasn't. And so I tried to work with people only when they were really ready. I would explain to them, this is the work that's going to be involved. Are you ready for this? And sometimes they weren't. Honestly, sometimes they weren't. And that's also okay. You've uh, you volunteered at the association level with, uh, you are a chapter president of the uh, National Association of Productivity and Organizational Professionals. Uh, you've helped other organizations in this space. Talk about why you, uh, in, why you feel it's important to give back to your community. I think for most people that go into these types of professions, even consulting in general, from a certain perspective, these are helping professions. I, I personally really like helping other people. And I got a lot of help from my professional association when I got started. And I really feel that it's important to return the favor. And for me, returning the favor meant really taking a leadership role in my own professional association and, and helping drive it, steer it, and move it forward. And I, I really think if you've gotten something out of an organization or someone has really given you a leg up, you owe it to the next people that are coming to return that sort of goodwill. And I see no downside in being helpful. I'm always a yes when someone asks me for assistance or wants to talk through ideas or challenges. And that in and of itself has served me very, very well over the years. We see a lot of that in the real estate industry as well, where a lot of the people that have had success that were able to move beyond those first few years that are very difficult are are really giving of their time. So I'd love to I'd love to hear that from you as well. It's something that definitely uh, transcends, you know, all the different industries. It's helping is a good thing. I like that. Yeah, I, I wish more people did that and really believed that. I find, especially in the corporate world, that's not as common. I think it's more common amongst people who either are solopreneurs or run their own businesses or have a small consulting group or are in real estate or or things like this where you're working with people a lot, I think there's more of a mindset towards like, let's help each other be better. Let's help each other be more successful. And I, I really like to be part of fostering that mindset. We have to talk about Evernote. I mean, right? This, this is why I got you on here. <laughs> I got a wild guess here that uh, you were a very early adopter of Evernote. So I, I, I know it came out in around 2008. How long did it take you uh, to start using it for your personal and professional life? Not very long. I think I was in the first year's worth of adoption of using Evernote. I really took to it immediately because part of it is it's a productivity tool. And at the time, I was really on the lookout for any productivity tools that could be useful for me or for my clients. But what was interesting for me about Evernote in particular, especially very early on, is I was really interested in tools that my clients could use that were easy to use and that could be adapted to virtually any kind of industry or workflow. Because since I was doing consulting, I was working with so many different types of people across so many industries. Frankly, it was just easier for me to find one tool that I could adapt to them rather than, than find dozens of different tools that I would then have to master and learn. And Evernote really was awesome for that and continues to be. And I really gravitated towards teaching my clients how to use Evernote because it ended up being so meaningful for them and really useful and helped transform a lot of their businesses. So for me, being part of that really early on was awesome. I got to see so many businesses and individuals really change their lives and how they work because of this awesome tool. 
you become an Evernote ambassador in 2011. I'm sure you're one of the first. I think that's right at the beginning of that program. Is that, am I yeah, right? Yeah, I was the that? first one, actually. Oh, the, the, the absolute first one. That's great. That, that continued on for a few years, right? I, I know Stacey Harmon. I know her from the real estate space, and I think, I think you know Stacey well as well, uh, was an mm-hmm. ambassador as well during part of that same program, correct? Yeah. So in those early years, um, I became really well-versed, not just in Evernote, but with the people behind the company. Since I'm in San Francisco, Evernote is in the Bay Area, I ended up getting to know the people behind the company really well. And I ended up teaching a few of the first Evernote classes, like in-person live classes. And Evernote really liked that. They liked this concept of, hey, there's a community being built outside of our walls around Evernote and how it can be used. And people seem to really care. And they ended up creating this ambassador program for people like me who are really working with people out in the community to harness our ability to advocate on Evernote's behalf. And that was really the genesis of creating these community programs, which is really about reflecting the passion that people have out in the world for Evernote and giving those people rewards, tools, access, so that they could deepen their usage and their love for the product. And you've actually then taken that to not just another level, to a whole nother stratosphere, right? When you started working at Evernote in 2013, but talk about when you first started there, uh, what your role was, and how it's evolved today into this community you've built around the world that are out there promoting the tool. Yeah, absolutely. So Evernote is a much smaller company than I think most people realize. We're around 300-ish people. And so Evernote, because of its size, everyone here gets to wear multiple hats and hats and do lots of different things. And that's certainly been true for me. Over the years, I started out doing customer education. So writing for a blog, creating how-to guides, doing videos, appearing at events and doing trainings. And that led to me taking all of that knowledge especially the knowledge that I gained before I joined Evernote of how people out in the real world are using it and working with our internal customer success team to help them scale this concept of here's how we train people how to use Evernote. So I led that team for a while as well. While I was leading that team, I created our certification program for Evernote certified consultants where more people out in the world who really are passionate about Evernote and want to bring it to their own customers or clients can achieve certification from us by going through an official training program. And so all of these things really led to where I am at now at Evernote, where I'm in charge globally of our customer-facing education, our how-to guides, videos, etc., along with our global community programs, which are all about how we connect people out in the world who really love and are passionate about Evernote to us and to each other. So while I've had a lot of different roles here at Evernote, they've all been additive. I've never really had responsibilities removed. Um, More so, it's consolidating all the things that I've been doing in a way that makes sense so that two things really happen. One, we're harnessing the love that people have for Evernote and giving back to them. And two, we're helping people learn how to use Evernote better. So those things are how my current roles intersect right now. Well, I know in my role as a a part of that team that you're working with out, out in the field, that you and Charlotte do a wonderful job. I just wanted to make sure I got this out there that I could tell you that you're, you provide wonderful information that, that really allows us to do what we do better. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much. We work hard on it, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you enjoy it. Yeah. But let's let's talk about Evernote and real estate now. There's I know some people. Uh, Dean Ouellette wrote a book called Evernote for Real Estate. Uh, Stacey Harmon's published a lot of stuff as well. 
And there's a, there's a workflow in the world of real estate where Evernote absolutely can be a solution. You've even produced content on this topic as well. So let's, let's, let's give our listeners a couple of tips or, or even you know, maybe a broad overview of how you see Evernote working you know, in the real estate world. Yeah, there are a lot of different uses for Evernote. I think real estate is one that's really straightforward in terms of how Evernote can help. And you're right, there's a lot of great content written out there, some by me, a lot by a lot of great content by experts in the real estate field who've chosen to write about Evernote. All of it is great and useful. I encourage everyone to check out all of the things that are out there. Uh, but generally speaking, since Evernote is a really useful tool for collecting information, organizing it and sharing it, Basically, the things that an agent might do as part of their workflow can be collected or at least pieces of it collected in Evernote. So for instance, one of the things that I've seen a lot of real estate agents do is when they're going on home tours with clients, they will open Evernote, create a notebook for each client and encourage the client when they're doing a walkthrough to take pictures of the space using Evernote, record their voice of what they think about each room or each home in Evernote. And then they have a nice consolidated place where they can go to review. Here are all the thoughts about this particular space that we're looking at. It's one of the things that I can say for myself when I was home buying was we were seeing like six or eight places a day. And it was really hard for me to remember how I felt about each space at the end of that tour. It was overwhelming. And so consolidating that sort of information, working with your clients in Evernote is really awesome. But maybe for you, for your own processes, maybe you collect some of your docs in Evernote or the notes that you have about each client in Evernote. So there's lots of different ways that you can really put Evernote to work for you to make your own processes easier. Yeah, I agree. And the, the, you talk about the, the collecting of information is awesome. And the sharing part of it, I think, so sometimes gets kind of overlooked because the ability to share a link basically to someone without even having them on Evernote themselves to be able to kind of see what's going on and stay in touch with that, with, with the process is, is very important. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen, especially agents do is create a checklist for all of the stages in the real estate transaction process and put that in Evernote and then share that link. You can create a public link from any note in Evernote and share that with like a client, for instance, and then they can click on the link and open it in their web browser. And so as you are going through the transaction process and you have a checklist, you can check each box next to the items that are completed so that your client can then see at a glance where they're at in the process. That's a really nice thing that I've seen quite a number of agents do that just gives a nice overview and kind of a timeline for the people that you're working with. So they don't have to keep asking you and you don't have to keep updating them. They're updated automatically as long as you're keeping that checklist up to date. We'll go a little deep into Evernote for a second. I've seen some really cool ways that agents are taking that the, this information maybe that they're sharing with the other realtor and creating you know notes inside that notebook for a client that are just specifically notes back and forth with the realtor and and even just progress along a certain maybe there's a, a hurdle they got to overcome. They'll detail the information in that little note, share that link to that realtor, and tell them, look, if you want to be want to know where I'm at you know, and, and be updated whenever you want to be updated on the process as we're working through this issue, it'll be right here. Cause I always note everything as it occurs. And I even, you know, will put in the note when my next conversation is going to be with that contractor or that attorney or whatever. And so it, it really reduces like those phone calls because somebody wants to know what's going on. They can actually jump in there, the other realtor, anytime they want, 
click on that link and see exactly the status of that process. Really just cool stuff that you can do in there that, um, you know, other agents, once I hear a, what someone's done, it's like, wow, that's something new I got to add to my list, right? Yeah, it just makes that whole process of communicating back and forth a lot easier and fewer things get missed this way. I have to talk about the fact that Evernote is, you know, because we're here in 2018 when this when this uh, episode is being published, and there is a really cool special being run uh, right now. And I'll let you talk about it, Joshua. Uh, it goes all the way through the end of this month, January 2018. What what's what should listeners be doing? Yeah, you bet. So if you're using Evernote, if you're using the free version right now, you can upgrade to Evernote Premium, which is designed for professionals, especially independent professionals like real estate agents in many cases, where you can get Evernote Premium at a very significant discount. So be on the lookout for that. If you've already signed up for Evernote, you'll likely receive a promotional email. Uh, and if you haven't, just visit Evernote.com and you should see the promotion there. Also, I'm, I'm sure, Bill, you can share it out with people uh, as part of the podcast notes. So there's a lot of ways that you can get Evernote. But if you're interested in really getting the most out of it, Evernote Premium is a really good option because you can just do more. You can capture more types of information and keep more of it in Evernote. Alternatively, if you're working on a team, there is a free trial for Evernote Business, which is the product that's designed specifically to take the power of Evernote and share it with a work group, like perhaps other agents in your office or the people that you work with on transactions. So you can collaborate together more easily inside of Evernote. So all of that's in January. So take advantage of all those things because they will not last forever. Evernote will last forever and keep all of your notes and your content secure, but promotions don't come along all that often. So this is a really good opportunity to get started. Yeah, I, I can't recommend enough going to evernote.com. Click on the blog, uh, really great content put out there. And I know that that's part of your responsibility. I think Joshua, um, wonderful um, content there for people that are, even if you're relatively new to it, get in there and see what people are talking about. See these, the, these great ideas that uh, the Evernote team is sharing with the community. So wanted to give you a plug for that as well. It's just really well done. Thank you. So I've had you here at the half hour. I know you're on a tight schedule. I want to wrap up and ask you the same question I've asked every guest on the podcast since day one. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I would say no need for you to reinvent the wheel. Learn from other people. Find mentors that are willing to share information, ideas, and advice with you so that you can really get started off on the right foot. There are lots of people who are very generous with their knowledge and their experience in real estate and will be willing to share with you. Don't be afraid to ask. You don't want to take advantage, but make sure to get knowledge without you having to figure it all out on your own. There's no need for you to learn from other people and then do things your way. Joshua, someone wanted to reach out to you. Is there a way they can do that? Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Joshua Zirkel. If you're interested in getting in contact with Evernote, we are at Evernote on Twitter. And of course, you can always go to Evernote.com. Joshua, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time here uh, talking about, first of all, where how you evolved in this business. And secondly, really, I, I can't stress how important Evernote is in my personal life and how it's helped me in my professional life as well by being able to bring it to the the real estate community that I work with. It's just been wonderful. And thank you for all of your help in, in, in that whole entire effort. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Bill. And really, I appreciate you having me here.